The Holy Gospel according to John in the 20th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not, believe, do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, You have believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, you, O Christ. Please be seated. And let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and our minds be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Imagination was not Thomas's best quality. He was a realist. He believed in what he saw and what he could prove in the empirical evidence. So it's not surprising that he had a rough time with metaphors and symbols. When Jesus spoke in parables, it drove Thomas nuts. We can just see him looking at the other disciples asking, did you get that? I never know what he's talking about. What's with all these stories and riddles? Why can't just Jesus just say what he actually means? At the Last Supper, Jesus told his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you, and you know the way where I'm going. And we can imagine most of the disciples trying to look thoughtful and say, yes, yes, <laughs> but not Thomas. According to John's Gospel, Thomas says, Jesus, we don't even know where you are going. How can we possibly know the way? And the next day, the way Jesus was going became painfully clear. Thomas knew that his Lord's hands were nailed to a cross and his Lord's side was split with a spear. He knew the man he had been following the last three years was dead. That's what the evidence proved. So when Thomas hears from the other disciples that Jesus has risen from the dead, it's only natural for him to say, what are you talking about? Oh, I know, this is another metaphor. You've got to mean in some symbolic way, Jesus is still with us. Well, that's not good enough for me. That could never happen, not really. 
Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. I do not believe. As a pastor, I hear those words a lot. I do not believe I will ever be in love again. Not after what I went through in the last relationship, not at my age. I do not believe I will ever be healthy, not after what the doctor told me. I do not believe that peace will ever come to Israel, Palestine, or Ukraine, or Sudan. I do not believe that we will ever make a real difference in our community or will see an end to gun violence. Remember that there was a day not long ago when some of us also said, I do not believe peace will ever come to Northern Ireland or to Bosnia or to Iraq. I do not believe the Berlin Wall will ever come down. Before that, some said, I do not believe that black and white children will ever attend the same schools. I do not believe that humans will walk on the moon. I do not believe that they will invent a vaccine for polio, let alone for COVID-19. The world is constantly doing things that are unbelievable. As we confront the crises of our day, Diseases, drugs, violence far away, and gun violence that breaks into classrooms and banks. The continuing struggle with systemic racism, and as you confront the crises of your own life, you have to decide if you're going to be a believer in a better future or not. The luxury of being a non-believer and a doubter about the future is that then you don't have to worry about caring for the poor or even praying Thy kingdom come on Sundays. And if you do not believe change is possible in your own life, then you don't have to worry about making those changes. You can forget about exercise, dieting, or trying again at relationships or a new job. Rather than trying again, you can just wrap yourself in your comfortable despair, entertain yourself into a coma, and not bother with things like dreams and vision. Doubt is easy. It's believing that requires a lot of work. As Thomas would remind us, however, belief must have its reasons. If you're going to believe in change and work for that goal, then the basis of your belief must be more than wishful thinking. And here's the church's reason for believing and thus working for a better tomorrow. Jesus Christ really is risen from the dead. On Easter, we're, we were not celebrating the perseverance of the human spirit or the spirit of Christ that lived on in the hearts of his disciples after he died. That wasn't good enough for Thomas, and it shouldn't be good enough for you or for me. If that's all that Easter was about, then we may as well join Pilate in washing our hands of the whole thing. Easter is not a metaphor. It can't be. Thomas was right to have his doubts about that. All four of the gospel writers agree that Jesus physically, literally, really rose from the dead. And if you were there when he appeared in the upper room, you could put your finger in the nail marks on his hands and your hand in the wound in his side. That is how real the resurrection was. And this is central to everything else that the Bible claims. 
In the words of the Apostle Paul, if Christ was not risen from the dead, then everything else we believe is in vain. We would have to close the doors of the church because we would have nothing to say to the world. Why? Because our only reason for having hope and thus continuing to work for tomorrow is that the Savior is alive. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father and through the Holy Spirit, he's continuing his work of salvation and will not stop until the kingdom of God does come fully to earth. He's not done with his work in the nations of the world. He's not done with his good work in your life either. And if you believe that, then you have every reason to keep working as well. Robert Coles, the great child psychiatrist, followed the lives of some black six-year-old children in New Orleans in 1961. These children were under a court order to participate in the desegregation of the public schools. And every day as they went to school, they encountered angry protesters who taunted the children and called them terrible names. It took the National Guard just to get the kids inside the doors of their school. And one of these little six-year-old, six-year-olds was a little girl named Tessie. And she'd had about had her fill of being yelled at by angry adults. And so one morning she told her grandmother that she was feeling sick and wanted to stay home. And her wise grandmother said, it's no picnic, child. I know that, Tessie. Lord Almighty, if I could just go with you and call all those people to my side and read to them from the Bible and remind them that he's up there, Jesus, watching over all of us. Lord, I pray for them, those poor, poor folks who are out there shouting their heads off at you. You're one of the Lord's people. He's put his hand on you. He's given a call to you, a call to service in his name. Tessie decided that maybe she was feeling well enough to go to school after all. And Jesus' hands are on you too. They still bear the marks of the nail prints from the cross where he was dying to give your life a sacred purpose again. And until you see that, you'll never feel well enough to continue your hard work in life. Yes, but how exactly do you see that? We're not in the upper room. We did not see what Thomas saw and have no proof that Jesus was risen. No, we see only by faith. Faith is not a proof or an explanation, and no amount of evidence can give it to you. Neither is faith an emotion, something you feel, or a matter of the heart. Faith is a choice. It's a matter of the will. It's a choice that arises in the midst of your doubts and in spite of the doubts. And as a choice, it's available to all. But it will completely reorient the life of anyone who chooses to believe, and that makes faith more powerful than a proof. Actually, we do not have proof about anything that really matters to us. In the words of the preacher Frederick Buechner, can I prove that life is better than death or that love is better than hate? Can I prove the greatness of the great or the beauty of the beautiful? Can I prove the friendship of my friend? When I experience it, I don't need to prove it, and when I don't experience it, no proof will do. 
Have you ever tried to prove that you love someone? It just drives you crazy and does a remarkable amount of damage to the relationship. Some things only come alive by faith. And that's exactly why Jesus told Thomas, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. He said that because not seeing with the eye allows us to see with faith. As in any important relationship, only faith allows you to enjoy the love of God at work in your life. If you believe it, you will see it. And if you have seen the work of the risen Christ in your life, then you can join Tessie and every other ordinary saint who's gone before you in doubting your doubts and getting on with what you are called to do with your life. Amen.